0: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Hello, I'm George Cup, And I'm Callum Gurr. And you're about to listen to the podcast version of To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr. Please note that this is a podcast. So... It's not a live broadcast, so please do not try to vote in any of the polls or send in messages to any of our discussions, as your message will not be registered, but you may still be charged.
0: Also, please note that not all of the opinions expressed in this podcast are our actual opinions, but may be expressed to create a better discussion. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and don't miss our live broadcast every Sunday on Wizard Radio Station. everybody and welcome to another episode of To Be Discussed with and Gert. My name is Callum Gert, and I will be joined by my co-host and political opposite George Kapp. Hello
2: everyone. This evening, Callum and I will prove to you that you can have impassioned debates whilst holding vastly different opinions without falling out at the end of the night. So this evening, we will be discussing: Should 16-year-olds have the right to vote in general elections? Which of these failed US presidential candidates would have made the best president? And lastly, have you gone to a restaurant or pub since lockdowns eased? With each of these discussions being accompanied by polls, which you have the chance to vote on at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen, and these discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each topic.
0: But first, last week we asked you guys to send in your opinions on the question what do you define as success and will or have you achieved it? Uh, and we've had some really, really interesting opinions come in um, and I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name but the first one's from Kami uh, and Kami says I have some quite grand dreams for myself when I'm older I want to be the CEO of a fortune 500 company by the time I'm 30 I'm 16 right now so I have a lot of work to do like you I'm sure most people think that it's unlikely that I'll ever achieve that and a lot of people think I won't so I think I'll feel successful once I've proven everyone wrong. My plan is to leave school when I'm 18 years old and not go to university, get an apprenticeship, work my way up and just really focus on my job so that I can get a promotion every year. That gives me 12 years of promotion to eventually become CEO. Whilst I do that, I'm also going to try and launch my own business in case an opportunity comes to sell that so I can then get a higher position. Wow, very, very uh, grand plans, isn't that, George? What do
2: you think? Yeah, I mean, Calmy, I think you've firstly got to give yourself a pat on the back for uh, being 16 and knowing exactly your, your progression that you want to take in, a, in in a job. I think that's absolutely amazing to be able to do that at 16. And I can tell you now, when I was 16, I had no idea what I wanted to do, whether it was be a teacher or a police officer or whatever. Um, and as you can see, I'm neither of those things. Um, so I and I and I don't think it's impossible to 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 get this achievement yes there may be some doubters out there but if you put your mind to it and you work incredibly hard as is evident from uh, what you've said you're going to do I think you can absolutely achieve it um, it's always so good to have goals in, in, in your future life and and I think goals like this are, are great for something to work towards you you know what you want to go and do you know um, the path to go and do it and people like you um will be very very successful in in the careers that they choose so i i think that you've really been able to take the question that we asked in in defining success and and how you're going to achieve it really really well um i think it's an absolutely amazing achievement and i definitely would
0: define what you're describing there as success what do you think Alan? yeah i mean definitely um if you achieve that, that's going to be absolutely remarkable, isn't it? I mean, you can't fault the ambition, and as George says, I think it's it's really, really amazing that you know exactly, really, what what you want to do, or at least what you want to achieve from life. And I, I think that's a really good thing to know, especially when when you're when you're sixteen. Um, uh, and I guess uh, <laughs> I suppose the best advice is probably the advice you already know, which is just you know. Work towards that. If that's what you want to achieve, then then make sure you're always taking decisions that link towards that. Um, and and um, I I wish you every luck uh, in the future.
2: Lovely. Right. So our next comes in from Louise and she says success will be somehow passing my A levels, even though I haven't been to school since March. We've barely done any online school and my exams are in less than a year. If I pass, that's enough for me at this point. I don't need anything more than a pass. How I'm going to do it is by working as hard as possible next school year to make up for the lost time. And I'm also hoping that the grade boundaries will be easier next year, seeing as everyone is in the same position as me. Well, Callum, I I mean, I I would hate to be in Louise's position, but um, definitely a
0: successful approach if there ever was one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a, a predicament a, a lot of um, students are facing. And as George says, I mean, I, I don't um, envy you in the slightest. Um, I, I think for sure, I'd I'm ju- just kind of passing them is going to be a, a real big achievement um given you haven't been to school since March um, and, and as you said barely done any o- online school either um so, so I, I think you know on that basis um just just kind of passing them is going going to be a really 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 big thing um and, and of course yeah that 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 obviously will be you you achieving success um uh, if you are to do that I mean George just uh, on the broader point of, um, of A-levels and GCSEs and the fact that online classes are becoming a bit more the norm because of lockdown, do you think that's going to affect overall the attainment of um, the, uh, the people that unfortunately have had to deal with school in that kind of situation? Um, I definitely think it possibly could. Um,
2: I, I think in the next couple of years we, we're going to have to see a whole kind of different approach to teaching um, and to get students back into that whole process and and um, kind of make sure they are actually getting to what is is the norm um, essentially. But uh, with ground uh, grade boundaries and things like that, we they are assessed on how well everyone else is done. So yeah. if if people have done badly, then the grade boundaries will drop. And I think that will be reflected um, throughout the whole of the A-levels and, and GCSEs and things like that, because it's only fair, to be honest, um, to do that. And I think that there may be a new kind of assessment approach over the next coming year um, to try and, soften the blow when it comes to the exams because as Louise has rightly said there is um been a lack of teaching going on from schools um, not at their fault i'm not having to go to schools but there, there there has been a lack of teaching from schools um because of the the pandemic and and we've got to try and make sure that the students that are now going into these critical years especially a level years um we've got to make sure that they've got the most support um mentally and also educationally so they can actually achieve what they want to achieve and go on to universities
0: and uh, just before we go on to the next opinion george what what do you define as success for you and and where or have you achieved it oh wow uh, i wasn't expecting you to ask me that callum
2: um <laughs> i i think for me success will be when um I become an elected member of parliament. Um, and then from that, I think I, I can look at further achievements and becoming, uh, you know, my dream is to become Home Secretary. But I think I would definitely be able to look at my life and be happy with my life in 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 a successful kind of mindset when I become an MP. I, I think for my age, I haven't been too bad in successful wise, but I still have more things that I would like to achieve before I kind of class it as successful. How about you, Callum?
0: Yeah, I think f- for me, in a sense, um, success will be just just coming from, I suppose, a, a state of happiness, of, of being content, and it, it will, obviously, a lot of it will come from, you know, what I do in my career, having a, a secure job that I like, that's got um, promotion opportunities and things like that, um, but also, I suppose, in my personal life as well, having having a a kind of stable personal life. I think all of that will come together and that's how I'll be successful by being happy and content in that way. Um, Right then, uh, so moving on to our uh, final opinion. Uh, It's from Gabby. Gabby says, I know this probably isn't the answer you were looking for, but I heard this saying once, which went something like, if you think that success makes you happy, then why not just be happy and fail successful? Uh, For me, if I have loads of money but aren't happy, then I won't be successful. So I want to spend as much of my life as possible just focusing on happiness and positivity. If I can live my life without wasting a single day or feeling like I would have done anything differently, then I think I will feel really successful because I'll be really happy. My mum brought me up believing that the way to live your life is to not have any regrets when your life eventually ends. And I live by that. George, I mean, this obviously taps into a discussion we've had for quite a few weeks, really, about regrets and things like that. I mean, what do you make of uh, Gabby's opinion?
2: Yeah, well, firstly, Gabby, let me just quickly say that there is never a wrong opinion, and it's not a we we don't look for any specific answer, and we want to hear from everyone, uh, no matter what you guys think. So, um, I I think that you have brought a really good element of what success actually is, because so often when people think of success, they think of career prospects and 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 how well they can progress in that, or, or as you rightly say in your opinion as well, um, how much money people have, but. How can you actually say you are successful if you are not happy with yourself? You're not happy with your surroundings and um, you can't have a smile at the end of the day when you finish your job. Um, I don't think you can define that as success if you are unhappy. So are, you are absolutely right, Gabby, that it is so important that no matter what you do, um, when you look and define success, um, it. It is through happiness as well. And, and I totally, totally, um, support your, your mum's belief in saying that you should never have any regrets in your life. Um, it's something that I try and live by as well. Um, always look, look back as not mistakes, but as lessons. Um, and don't regret anything because I, I believe that is a route to happiness. And
0: as Gabby says, a successful life. What do you think, Callum? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a really, really, um, Mature opinion to have, and as you say, George, I mean, um, Gabby's mum's advice is, is a really strong advice. Really, um, I mean, something to, I certainly wish at points I could live my life a little bit more by um, that kind of philosophy. Um, but I, I think, um, Gabby, you're dead right that success isn't going to make you happy. To be successful, you you have to be happy effectively uh, I mean I think it's it's fairly similar to, to, to what I what I kind of said um, and, and I you know I definitely definitely completely agree um, with everything that Gabby said there really right then I remember we'll be announcing what the question would be for you to send in your opinions on at the end of tonight's show so make sure you're ready for that for the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show we've reached the time for the first summary week this evening so we'll be back very soon
2: Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. So let's move on to our second discussion of this evening. And we're asking the question, should 16 year olds have the right to vote in general elections? So for a very long time, since the 1970s, uh, the voting age went down to 18 year olds. Officially the age that people say you become an adult. When it came down to 18, there was a slight uproar saying that it was too young for people to go and vote. It wasn't right that people should be 18 and being allowed to go and have the vote. But since then, it has stayed as 18. And people say that it is now the right age, because, as I just said, it is the age that people become an adult and really and truly can start doing adulty things. But for a very long time now as well, there has been the argument coming out saying that 16 year olds should be allowed to vote. It is an age where they can join the army. They can start paying taxes. Um, and a lot of people say that they are mature enough. They should be allowed to have a say in what is going on in their future. If we look back at some of the referendums, a lot of 16 year olds in the Brexit referendum um, said they didn't want to leave the EU. And let's be honest, if the 16 year olds had the chance to vote, then I think we would have had a very different outcome. But this is looking at general elections. So, Callum. What are your thoughts? Should 16-year-olds have the right to vote in general elections?
0: I I personally think it's not a priority. Um, I, I think at the moment we have a problem where uh, the, the voting system's not particularly amazing. Um, general voter turnout is, is not amazing either, and that maybe comes from the voting system in many ways. Um as particularly voter turnout amongst younger people. And so rather than adding more people to that electorate, I think we should be focusing on trying to get them more engaged and trying to get the existing young people that can vote to be able to vote. Because at the end of the day, anyone who's sitting there 16 right now and saying, "I, I obviously can't vote and it's unfair, you will be able to in a couple of years time be be able to vote Uh, and the other thing I would say um kind of more on the specific reason why I personally think the 16 year old shouldn't be able to vote is I'm just not sure because of the way that our schooling system works I think it's probably the biggest reason why I'm not sure that they truly have the the kind of life experience and and the it's it, it whatever way i say this it sounds really patronizing i suppose but and the kind of general wisdom to be able to vote and that's not to say that everyone who can vote now has that um mm-hmm. but i think that in a sense if if i if, if i was 16 and i was voting i'm not sure i'd have fully thought the decision through and at the end of the day i was interested in politics when i was 16 so if 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 I'm not, think about the general 16-year-old who doesn't have any interest in politics whatsoever. Um, And I think on that basis, it's not the right time now to talk about 16-year-olds having the right to vote. I think if we can get general um, youth um, turnout better uh, and we can make it so maybe politics and and kind of life skills is a compulsory part of the education um, process... Then maybe we could talk about sixteen-year-olds having the right to vote. I just don't think it's a priority at the moment. Um, what do you think, George? Yeah, it's a
2: uh, it's a subject that you and I often agree on uh, this this kind of uh, question. But I I um, often I'm lucky enough to go and do talks um, for NCS in in front of 16 to 18 year olds and this question often comes up and um, I often try and have a standpoint that I I encourage young people to get into politics so then I get this question um, saying should 16 year olds have the vote and I turn around and say no and a lot of them are rather confused because you could argue that it is a very good way to get them into politics but I, I just don't think, as as Callum has rightly said, it, it, sixteen is the right age f- to vote. I mean, looking back when I was sixteen, I didn't really have an idea um, in which way politics was going. I didn't have a, a kind of a clue what was going on and um, with the country. And I think that um, I would like to believe that the the right to vote should also have the responsibility to actually do a bit of research and, and look at what is going on and having some kind of knowledge of of the political spectrum. Um, I think the one way to solve that is definitely through education and I am an advocate to really push to make sure that politics is, is in our curriculum um, and to ensure that younger people are being taught about politics because I think that in the future there is definitely an argument to say that 16 year olds should be able to have the vote because um, if the education is there, then absolutely I don't see a reason why they shouldn't. Um, but I, I I worry that if we allowed it to happen in today's society, that we would either see an incredibly poor turnout, um, and and that wouldn't be very good for a representative of, of that age group. And secondly, I would worry that we would see people um, of that age going into um, voting booths and simply either asking their parent which way to vote um, or just simply just ticking a box just because. Um, and that does worry me. And I and I I fear that what i say does sound um as callum kind of said it, it, i don't want it to sound patronizing because i don't want to, i don't i'm not being patronizing i I'm, I'm simply um just suggesting that at 16 i do not think that the the level of maturity in the, in the way of looking at the world is there as yet, I, I think there is a lot of maturity and growing up that happens between the ages of 16 and 18. Um, and and I think that is very evident in a lot of um people. And, and if you look back over uh, generations, that has been proven. So I, I think right now it is not the right time and there isn't the appetite for it to happen. But I, I do definitely think in the future it is something I would encourage. But Callum, do you think that the argument that maybe I'm standing on in terms that not now, but in the future. Is that something that you could back if we could ensure that there is that educational development that happens within schools?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, as as I say, I mean, I think the most important thing is just to sort out general turnout amongst younger people. If we can sort that and there's a bit more of a kind of education around the importance of the vote, because especially if we change the voting system, our vote becomes very, very important. Um, and, and therefore, we need we need everyone to to be quite honest. I've, I think the vast majority of the population don't realise how big a deal it is to be able to vote. Yeah. So actually, in a sense, we're probably just being a bit unfair on sixteen year olds saying that they need to be the ones who are educated because, to be quite frank, half the electorate does. Um, but George, kind of away from that point, do, do you think that? how you answer this question about whether or not 16-year-olds and 17-year-olds should get the right to vote, Mm. do you think that's changed for you since you turned 18? Because I'm going to be quite honest, and I'm going to confess to everyone, and probably people are going to have their pitchforks out, (laughs) and say that when I was 16, and maybe even 17, I did think 16-year-olds should have the right to vote. But now, it wasn't straight away as soon as I turned 18 that I changed my mind. But around about the time when I was 20, 21, I did change my mind on that. Has it cha- Have you changed your mind, George, or have you always felt 16-year-old shouldn't have the right to vote? I think if I'm honest, um,
2: when I was 16, it was something that I would have liked to have done. But I, I don't think there was enough kind of conviction there for myself for it to really kind of encourage me to to want it to happen. Um, I, I think it was kind of more a gesture of oh, I want to go and do that because obviously it's what my parents went to do. And, and when my sister went to go and do it as well, it's something that I just kind of want to do for the sake of losing out. Um, I, I don't think necessarily it was something that I I, I was really adamant about getting. Um, so I, 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 I wouldn't say my opinion has changed drastically. I think it's kind of always been there. But just quickly, Callum, on on the point that you raised regarding we need to ensure that younger people have a better turnout. Obviously, we've had discussions over this lockdown about virtual voting. We've seen it within um, the House of Commons. MPs have been able to vote virtually, even though it's been scrapped now. But that system was still in place. And there has always been this argument about going online for our electoral system and, and to have elections being able to vote online whether it's on your phone or certain kind of systems like that do you think that the way to increase the turnout is by making voting easier by not having to go down to your voting booth and just simply by doing it on your phone i personally think that it's not hard going down to your voting booth and you can just get a postal vote if you don't want to do that but do you think because younger generations are so uh on their phones all the time do you think that's kind of a, an approach
0: that we could see to increase that um, outcome I would be really really wary of, of that as an approach simply because uh, a I think that as soon as you introduce not just electronic voting but electronic voting on people's phones and, and maybe their laptops mm. that is open a lot more to, to undue influence and hacking so, so, I think there's a worry in terms of that. But there's also a really simple worry in terms of when you go into a ballot bo- a booth and you, you put your cross on, or your tick if you want, on um, wh- whoever you're voting for, you can do that completely privately. Uh, and although your parents or, or your friends may have tried to influence how you vote um, prior to that, when you're in the, the ballot booth, they, they'll never know. Whereas if, you know, people were able to do it on home, they might literally have their, their parents or their friends physically looking at how they're voting. And I think that's really worrying because it could affect the way people vote and not allow them to. I mean, if you think about um, how often conservative voters are shy, because yeah. there is a, a social perception, particularly amongst younger people, that somehow voting conservative is a bad thing, which I'm going to be categoric and say it's, it's not um so therefore i'm worried that if you introduce um mobile voting that that the people's votes are actually going to be physically influenced by that more than let's be realistic they probably already are already um yeah. what, what do you think george just really briefly yeah, no, I, I I totally agree with what you're
2: saying, um, Callum. I think it would be a very dangerous kind of approach to have. Um, and it, it it would be worrying to see which influences could could happen with regarding if we if we took it online. Um, and how do you think this poll was going to go, Callum? I
0: think 70 percent of people will say, yes, 16 olds should have the right to vote. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to agree with you wholeheartedly on that one. Um, But
2: there is only one way to find out, and that is for you guys to vote on this question. Should 16-year-olds have the right to vote in general elections? And you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen, and we'll be back after this. Hello and welcome back. So before that break, we asked, should 16-year-olds have the right to vote in general elections? And to find out the results of that poll, please go to our Twitter page, that's at
0: WizRadio. Right then, time to move on to our third discussion of this evening. And we are asking which of these failed US presidential candidates would have made the best president. So at the moment, we are in the midst of a presidential election in the United States. The two candidates are, of course, the infamous Donald Trump and Joe Biden. But this week, we wanted to, rather than looking at that election, because that's still a fair ways off, we wanted to look at failed presidential bits and and maybe the ones that got away. So with that in mind, uh, we've got three options for you in terms of Uh, failed presidential candidates and and whether or not they'd have made the best president. Uh, The first is Hillary Clinton, who, of course, lost uh, in the last presidential election to Donald Trump. Uh, There's Mitt Romney, who lost to Barack Obama in the uh, 2012 presidential election. And then there's Jill Stein, who was the Green Party candidate in the 2016 presidential election. And I'm not really expecting many people to vote for her but I suppose we shall see uh, George out of these three I'm going to take a, a guess and say that you're going to say probably Mitt Romney's the one that got away just because obviously he's a, he's a more right wing figure he's, he's a fairly moderate Republican as well um, and, and therefore maybe he's more in line with your, your kind of politics what, which of these do you think is the kind of failed presidential candidate that would have made the best president? Well, kind of, I think I think I should just leave it to you. You can argue
2: my my points for me if you want. <laughs> um I do you know what actually if if I look back over the these three um candidates here for for me it's actually quite a toss up between Hillary Clinton and Mitt Romney only because I say Hillary Clinton because I I think that she was a better candidate than than Donald Trump at the time. Um I I think during that presidential election um it was kind of the the worst of of two people um and i think both candidates weren't actually the strongest candidates in the world and and i think it was a very hard task for america to elect because i think they were both as bad as each other in in many ways but i think hillary had better um kind of approaches and and, and policies in 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 my opinion but um definitely if i was to go for the ultimate out of these three i would say uh, mitt romney i i think that uh mitt was a, a good, very good candidate. He was a very good Republican candidate. Um, and he had some very interesting policies that he wanted to bring forward. I, I would say though that I think that anyone that would go against someone like, um, Barack Obama would have been, would have lost because uh, Barack Obama did such a, a fantastic campaign, um, and was a good, very good president. Um, so I think that any Republican that stood against Barack Obama would have would have lost <clears throat> anyways, no matter how good they might have been. I think if if Mitt goes, if Mitt ever had the opportunity to, to stand again, I don't think that the appetite is there anymore. I think that the Republican Party under Donald Trump has kind of taken this turn even further to the right. Um, and I think that the policies that, that Mitt Romney kind of stood for have kind of dwindled a little bit. So I, I, I think that we wouldn't see him stand again. I think with, with Jill Stein, it's always hard because, um, it's very much hard for ever a green candidate to, to be elected in uh, the president's sorry in America and it's always you've seen it's either Democrats or the Republican Party that, that get there um, I don't I think there's only ever been one independent president please correct me if I'm wrong there um, and and I think that it's very hard for other parties to come in and, and I think that there are definitely some policies that Jill was able to bring forward on that green platform to suggest that Way forward, um, you know, to ensure that America was taking their their weight in ensuring that they were reducing their carbon footprint. I, I'm sure the green vote possibly has gone up since Donald Trump has been in 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 office because he has scrapped kind of every commitment there has been to uh, becoming uh, more carbon neutral and everything like that. But yeah, no, for me, I think Mitt is is someone that has uh, has lost, um, and I would vote for now. What are your thoughts, Callum?
0: I, I, I guess begrudgingly, <laughs> I, I would probably say Hillary Clinton. I mean, I mean, obviously, as you say, George, Hillary Clinton did actually do very well in, the, uh, in, in a sense in the 2016 uh, presidential election. She obviously actually got, I believe, more of the popular vote than Donald Trump did. It's just did, yeah. that she didn't get it in the key swing states. Um, and despite the fact there was quite a targeted campaign against her, she, she you know, managed to hold up relatively well. Having said that, I personally felt at the time that the time was coming for more of a change candidate, one that wasn't tied to any of the previous presidential um, families and the previous presidential establishment. And, and I think, unfortunately for Hillary Clinton, because of quite obviously who her husband was, um, a, a former US president, just in case anyone was uh, not clear, <laughs> um, it it meant that she, she was tied to that. She wasn't necessarily the change candidate that a lot of people um, wanted. And, and I think the other thing with Hillary Clinton was that she she was often... Fairly, um, she was a fairly centrist candidate to, to be yeah. quite frank. Um, and, and this meant that she, she wasn't in her policies as well as what she represented, she didn't really represent any great change, any great break from how American politics had been conducted for the last 30 years, really. Um, I, I suppose. In a, in a kind of similar way in which the in the 2015 general election, um, Ed Miliband's uh, Labour Party, although Ed Miliband was actually a fairly radical figure as it goes, but manifesto-wise, it, it wasn't that much of a break from what the Conservatives were offering. And I think a similar thing kind of happened in the States. And I think that Donald Trump, for right or wrong, has in a sense changed that um, in many ways. Uh, in terms of Mitt Romney, I mean, I, I'm i going to confess and say that what I know about Mitt Romney is, is not a great deal. But I do know that he did. Um, he was the only Republican senator to vote to impeach Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, and whether or not you think that impeaching um, Donald Trump is the right thing to do, I think that says a hell of a lot about Mitt Romney's character and how much he values the uh, the US Constitution and he values the rule of law, the fact that he went against his party line to do that. Um, it always bugs me slightly that it's always, as you say, I mean, Mitt Romney's n- probably never going to stand for president again, but it's always those that don't have really, no offence for any more career ambitions that seem to do this. I mean, in a, U- in a UK context, that's certainly the case where, they stand against the party line only because they've, you know, not really got a career left, left to lead as such. I, I feel like you're, you're suggesting something, Callum. <laughs> I, I was actually thinking of um, Ken Clark a little bit, oh, to, okay, to be right. quite frank with you. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, so, so I think on that basis, um, Mitt Romney is, though, a, a, a good person. And I suppose, it, in a sense, it's, it's a shame. I mean, George, who do you think is gonna uh, come out on top in this one?
2: I think it's gonna be—I um, do definitely think it's gonna be Hillary that comes out on top on this. Um, I think she's kind of the most well-known out of all of these figures, so I think Hillary will get will get the the the, the
0: popular vote. How about you? Yeah, I think I think just because Hillary Clinton is well known, she might. I mean, the only thing. I mean, I think, Jill, as I said in the beginning, I don't think Jill Stein's probably going to get anywhere um, near it. I mean, the Greens really, really struggle in the US anyway. Uh, I don't think they've really got any kind of, I don't think they've got anyone in the Senate or um, or or in the, um, uh, I can't think what it's called now. Uh, but you, you know what I mean. They haven't got any kind of key um, elected figures, the Greens. So I think they're always going to yeah. struggle. But I think Mitt Romney could actually do a bit better in this poll than maybe we give him credit for, because it was only re- fairly recently that he voted to impeach Donald Trump. Right then, um, it's time for you guys to vote away on this poll. And the question is, which of these failed US presidential candidates would have made the best president? And those options are Hillary Clinton, Mitt Romney or Jill Stein. Um, and you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk force us to listen. And we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back. So before we ask which of these failed US presidential candidates would have made the best precedent and find out the results to that poll, head over to our Twitter page, that's at WizRadio.
2: Right. Okay, let's move on to our fourth and final discussion this evening. And as always, the most important. So uh, we're asking, have you gone to a restaurant or pub since lockdown has eased? So it wasn't that long ago since... Boris Johnson told us all that we were allowed out. We were allowed out to go to restaurants. We were allowed out to go to the pub and have a nice, cool pint. But with special uh, social distancing measures in place to ensure that uh, we were keeping our distance from one another another to make sure that not loads of households went out altogether um, and to make sure that we were still trying to uh, make sure the coronavirus doesn't have a second peak. But there has been a lot of caution with going out. Um, There has been a lot of people saying that they wouldn't even touch going out to a restaurant or a pub as of yet. But then there are those as soon as um, those floodgates were open and they charged out and got royally drunk. But Callum, were you one of those people that got royally drunk? Or should I say politically drunk to make it a bit more
0: feasible? <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I No, I haven't been to a restaurant or pub. Well, uh, I've been and got a... Because obviously I'm lucky enough to live in Margate. And I, I went down to the, the front. And on one evening this week, I think it was Monday... I did go for a walk down there and I, I did go and get a takeaway um, pint um, for, from from the pub. But I haven't been inside one as such uh, to, a, to a restaurant or pub. I, I certainly wasn't, wasn't going to go on the kind of opening weekend. Um, although I will confess that probably by the time this is released, <laughs> I will have gone to a pub because... Basically, we're recording on Saturday morning, but it's uh, we're going out Saturday night, uh, probably just to the beach, but we may well end up going to, to a pub. Uh, I, I mean, in terms of a restaurant, that's something probably that interests me a bit more, in in, in a way. Going going back there, I'm, I'm a bit more excited, in a sense, for pubs and more willing to probably of. You know, if I had something of range, I would have probably just, just gone to it in the, the opening week, weekend, simply because of the fact that I think it's much easier for restaurants to to um, ensure that you stay, not necessarily properly socially distanced, but that there's a control over things and, and things like that. So, so I think, in a sense, I'm more excited about that or, or was more excited about that. Um, George, what... What about you? I mean, have you been to? I think you've maybe been to a restaurant, have you? I have. Yes,
2: I've. I went out for lunch um, with my girlfriend for a uh, a nice little uh, restaurant lunch, and it was it was actually not too bad. It was. I mean, we were practically the only ones in there, um, and I was very happy about that. I'm still very very cautious about what's what everything that's going on um, with my kind of certain health conditions that I um, love have. So I I I. I don't so much have an issue with going to restaurants at certain times. I do, however, um, still have much caution going to to pubs and things, um, especially when they may be busy. Um, I mean, looking at polls and everything over recent times, a lot of people have actually said that they didn't. Go out, and because they were very cautious about what was going on and everything, so I, I think actually overall there haven't hasn't been that many people that have taken the opportunity to go out and have something to eat or to to go and have a drink. Um, I think they're still very worried about what may happen and to s- see what the spike may be. Yet we we simply do not know. I mean, we where Callum and I are from in, in Thanet, um, we've seen a very kind of big. Increase in those that have been uh, diagnosed with the coronavirus, and partially because a lot of people decided to come down to our coast um, and enjoy the beaches um and, and Thanet has been really badly hit since then since the easing of lockdown but i, I think it's something that will eventually get there, but Callum, do you think that um, we will see these social distancing measures in restaurants
0: and pubs be in place for at least a year um I think it's very, very much dependent upon whether we find a vaccine before then. If we find a vaccine before then, and and you know we have enough time to make it widespread, distributed amongst the population, then there'll be no reason so much for social distancing to remain in place. But I think if not, I think at least in theory it will remain. But I think the the thing is, as we saw even within lockdown. As time passes and people get more used to these things, they start getting a bit laxed. And then, although theoretically social distancing is still in place, maybe it's not to be quite honest as as big a deal as seen as. Um, what What do you think, George? Yeah, I
2: I think that. Um unless there is a vaccine found um we won't see any kind of relax- relaxation of, of these um social distancing measures um the biggest thing for me is just to ensure that we don't see that second peak uh, i think that we will though unfortunately especially when winter comes about um and i don't think that i wouldn't put it past the government to try and um, actually increase some kind of measures back into place um over winter but of course we will have to wait and see on what the peak will be to see if those kind of measures do come into place um and the government do put us into a further kind of lockdown over winter um because i think it will be quite likely but um I, how do you think this poll is going to go
0: I think that it's gonna be roughly fifty because I think that's how the general public kind of seeing it. So we'll more have gone to a pub. So we'll say fifty five percent
2: yes. What about you? I'm gonna say forty percent yes. Um but there is only one way to find out and that's if you'd like to vote on. This. Have you gone to a restaurant or a pub since lockdown has eased? And you can do that, wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen and we'll be back after this. Hello and welcome back. So before that break, we asked, have you gone to a restaurant or pub since lockdown has eased? And to find out the results of that, please go to our Twitter page. That's at with radio. So unfortunately, it has come to that time where Callum and I have to say bye bye. So thanks for listening to
0: To Be Discussed with Cup and Go. We do really hope you've enjoyed this episode. So as mentioned earlier, for the first segment of next week's show, we'd like you to send in your opinions on the question do you think the government's recovery plan is enough to boost the economy? You can send in those opinions by email to station at wizardradio.co.uk or through Twitter, that's at WizRadio. So remember that question is, do you think the government recovery plan is enough to boost the economy? And we're looking forward to hearing those next week. But it is now time for George and I to say, bye bye apparently. <laughs> uh, so I think i and I have been the marvellous and amazing George
2: Cup Uh, thanks very much for listening everybody we'll be back next week at the same time and the same place for another episode of To Be Discussed
1: 18 plus.